0: Something that you take away from your diet is only as good as what you replace it with.
1: Welcome back to an all-new season. In fact, our first episode of the year of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media.
2: Hey, gang. Huh? Okay, Megan here. We're about to bring on one of my favorite humans, a former coworker at Good Housekeeping, fellow celiac and fresca aficionado. I'm talking about none other than registered dietitian, don't call her nutritionist, Jacqueline, aka Jackie London. Jackie is not only a registered dietitian. She's an author, brand strategist, food and beverage consultant, and media spokesperson who has built her career on relentlessly pursuing better health and wellness solutions Solutions that are science-based, relatable, and accessible. As the former head of nutrition and wellness for WW, aka Weight Watchers, she was responsible for championing nutrition science across consumer-facing programs, content platforms, strategic partnerships, consumer products, and experiences. Before WW, she served as Good Housekeeping's nutrition director, running the iconic Good Housekeeping Institute's nutrition lab, a spot for our daily fresco breaks, where she oversaw all nutrition-related content across print and digital and even launched the first-ever Good Housekeeping Nutritionist-approved emblem. Jamie jumping
1: in. Jackie continues to serve as a go-to nutrition and wellness expert for print, digital, and broadcast media outlets, appearing on Today, GMA, The Rachel Ray Show, and Inside Edition. She also has extensive experience in clinical nutrition through her work at the Mount Sinai Hospital in New York and through nutrition counseling in private practice, where she continues to work with individuals and groups in providing nutrition therapy for sports, weight management, diabetes, heart disease, and metabolic endocrine shifts and diagnoses through a adulthood. Her approach to healthier living is based on translating research findings into digestible information and realistic, tangible strategies for anyone and everyone looking to live healthier, discover food freedom, and feel more like themselves. Jackie received her bachelor's degree from Northwestern University and earned her master's in clinical nutrition and dietetics from NYU. Whoop, whoop, that's my alma mater as well. Her book, Dressing on the Side and Other Diet Myths Debunked, 11 Science-Based Ways to Eat More, Stress Less, and Feel Great About Your Body, was released in January 2019 and has been reviewed by the New York Times, Forbes, Prevention, and Today.com. Listen to today's show if you want to eat healthier, but your head is spinning with all the conflicting eat right advice. Maybe you've asked yourself any or all of the following, celery juice, sip it or skip it? Should I give up meat or go keto? could I have celiac disease? Do I need a collagen supplement?
2: Are there any foods that help boost immunity? We will tackle all these hot topics and more. So I feel like we should be cracking open a Fresca for this interview because it's Fresca o'clock somewhere, Jack.
0: I did bring a little sparkling beverage, but I ordered... (laughs) Let me tell you, the supply chain's killing me. I ordered Fresca and I'm backed up by a month. (laughs) It's one month
2: out for me. Mother of pearl, it's so hard to get your hands on. But you know, I just need an excuse to spend an hour with you. So I'm just really glad you could join me and team OTG for this show. I also know that we really both agree that one of the worst phrases in the English language is new year, new you, like January comes and suddenly you got to join a gym and go on a diet. When reality is, optimal health is about making cumulative, smarter, more informed decisions about what we put in our bodies on a daily basis. And so today's show is going to help us do just that. Jackie is a trusted authority on nutrition, and she's here to give us the dish on the latest diet and food news and help us discern what's healthy and what's hype.
1: Yay. All right, Jamie here. Thank you for being here, first of all, because there's so much... That we all had. We were like, what trends do you want to talk about? And we were like, nah, 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 nah. so I'm going to kick it off because we recently did a rant on celery juice. <sighs> some of us were here for it. Some of us weren't. I tried it recently because I kind of like bought into the hype. But we want to know, like, are you here for it? Or, like, what is your take? Is it really living up to what people say it does? I knew she was already shaking her head. I knew it.
0: I love this topic, though, which is why it feels like I want to be like, I'm not here for it. But at the same time, it's hard to control my face because I feel like, oh, my God, it's just the best topic. Because when you really think about it, we took just this beautiful Bloody Mary garnish and turned it into a wellness elixir. And I'm like, yes, like sometimes it is a wellness elixir because that's what Bloody Marys are. But otherwise, (laughs) it's just a sad crudité that you'd have to have you'd have to have pounds and pounds of celery juice in order to actually reap any of the purported benefits. And when I say celery juice, I mean, you'd have to have pounds and pounds of celery just to even make the juice (laughs) to make to ultimately get anything remotely beneficial.
1: So why do people think it's so great? And by the way, when I was juicing every day, cause I had this terrible bout of eczema. So I like believed anything the internet said for like six months, like literally anything I, once, literally, if you told me to like stand on my head and like sing my ABCs backwards, I'd be like, okay, like, if you, I don't know the internet said it works. So I was buying those pounds of celery, Jackie, like literally my house, my entire fridge was taken over. What is the hype about?
0: So th- this all started with someone that I really feel like I, I you know I mean I'm not here to 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 wish anything negative on anyone but if there's someone that maybe could just go ankle deep in in you know like a pile of dog poop somewhere. That would be the medical medium. I, I just like the idea of it, first of all, just the name. I was
3: so scared you were gonna say it with somebody that we interviewed. <laughs> well, I, knew, I, I knew exactly where she know. was going. I
1: knew what exactly was this where she was number one going.
0: client a Kardashian, no love a Kardashian. Not it's not about that. It was really it's really just so crazy to me that there's so much credence given to anyone who can present themselves in the right way as an authority in anything related to a wellness-specific topic. What was amazing about the actual research on celery, the properties in celery, the properties that are being touted when the concept of celery juice is even being talked about is you would, first of all, they've only shown this biological plausibility in test tubes or in rats. Humans just simply don't have the same kind of GI tract as our little mouse does.
2: But what do they think it's going to do? Is it like anti-inflammation? I'll be honest. I use celery juice as a vehicle for ginger and lemon and other nice things that I want in the morning. I find it hydrating. I poop anyway. (laughs) But I just like, that's what I like it for.
0: Yeah. It's such a great point because Anything... As long as it's not something harmful, then ultimately anything used in the right way for the right purpose and for the right intention. And exactly what you're saying here is that like you love the flavor of something spicy, like the spicy gingerness, if it makes you feel good, like there's going to be something to that. And that alone is ultimately how this became such a thing, how this grew into what it's become is because if you feel anything that even remotely suggests that you're going to feel better, whether that's a placebo effect, whether that's because you're actually just getting hydrated because you're having a large amount of juice in the morning. Right? Or like, that's because- better than a soda. Exactly. If I have a
2: celery juice with a little turmeric or ginger and lemon in it, like, it's so much better than, like, what, like a latte frappuccino crapadoodle with, like, all the sugar, right?
0: <laughs> what you're describing right now is actually making me a little thirsty. Yes. I- <laughs> that sounds delicious. Yeah. I mean, look, anything that is in the name of getting people to consume more veggies and fruit, I'm ultimately here for that. I would say that I'm almost exclusively here for chewing those foods more so because you feel both the satiety benefit of the actual physical sensory experience of having a meal, but also there is research that suggests that we're just not as satisfied when we drink things, drink our calories versus eating them. I mean, I think that's also just like something we learned probably in college just by like having a lot of. Coors Light. And then ultimately being like, why am I so hungry? (laughs) There's other ways we've probably learned that. But like the idea of doing anything, first of all, that helps you feel generally better, that helps you stay hydrated, and that also is going to get in the ingredients that you also want to include in your day, like these spices that can have some potential anti-inflammatory benefits, like the flavor of ginger that just makes everything better, in my opinion. Like, Right? I mean, everything a little bit spicy. I love that little kick. I just Feel like, oh, and lemon, you added lemon. Now I'm really thirsty. Now I'm really
3: (laughs) thirsty. Okay, so Heidi here, and I want to circle back to what you said about the right thing for the right reason because I'm vegan Jamie and I raise my family plant-based Jamie likes to call herself plant forward she is not as psycho as I am (laughs) (laughs) one way to describe it Heidi I'm only about 98 percent as committed as Heidi (laughs) Jamie's always like I'm a little more flexible than the yoga person over there and I'm like fine whatever ahimsa
2: (laughs) is the first tenant of (laughs) yoga so whatever and you know I eat bacon Jack so we're you know <laughs> then you know where I net out.
3: All right. So True. our question is really, do you see quantifiable health benefits for being plant forward or plant based? And secondly, can you then share some best practices for plant based living for listeners who might have considered the lifestyle switch but find it daunting? Because the reason I circle back to right thing for the right reasons is because we all know people who go vegan and then eat deep fried tofu and vegan cheesecake and vegan desserts. And they're like... But it's vegan. It's healthy. Yeah. And that was one yeah. of the first things I ever said to someone I was about veganism. I was like, "Oil is vegan. Sugar yeah. for the most part is vegan."
0: <laughs> totally. Totally. You know, I would actually do a a third I'm going to add in a third reframe of all things plant related and say, "More plants more often." in ways that work best for you, your family, your lifestyle. And I say that because there's no downside to more plants, but even just saying it that way, like more plants more often, it kind of makes you think about some of the real actual whole foods that you can find that are really both so delicious, so nutrient dense, but also really satisfying and therefore feel like you don't necessarily need the meat as another component of it. That's not to say that there's anything wrong with having meat and certainly not in you know the amounts that a lot of us are looking to make the choice to eat in a more conscious way that actually does include more plants more often. But reframing it this way helps us, I think all of us, to just give it a better, clearer picture of how we want to start approaching our food health lifestyle nutrition related habits for for 2022 and beyond. I think there's something that has to do with the idea of either plant-based plan forward or even when I hear things like vegetarianism, veganism that can often seem really extreme for some people, for other people that can feel really like I okay, like Heidi mentioned your kids growing up that way like then it's automatically a part of your everyday life, right? But for someone who is coming from a place of being like God, I just, you know, I eat meat, but for whatever reason, this or for for whatever reason, like the supply chain for for Uh (laughs) example, is making it hard for me to get the meat that I usually love, right? Then maybe that's an opportunity to just try something else that comes from a more wholesome, more nutritious plant-based source. So like I always use, Megan will tell you, I use beans as my like paragon of like the world's greatest gift to us. (laughs) Pulses are are like the world's greatest gift. They give us so many good things, but they give the planet so many good things too. And what's amazing about them is that they're so filling because they combine both protein and fiber for very little, if any, there's zero grams of saturated fat in black beans, right? So they're already a heart healthy choice, which makes it that much more exciting from from my standpoint to be able to say, look at this, this is an alternative that both can be, one can can be 99 cents, 69 cents, some places, right? Like So you're automatically making a choice that's then both beneficial, for you, beneficial for the planet, and also can help you cut back from a budget standpoint and then therefore use that money on other things that you might want instead, both at the grocery store and beyond. So there's lots of different ways, but more inclusive, the better. But Jack, is there
2: anything scary you can tell me to make me eat less meat? Like, Is there any good new research, anything you
0: can scare me with? Absolutely not, you know, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not here to scare you. no, I mean, I just thought like when I saw this and and this is kind of like a hallmark um example from a study that i I always come back to, which is that replacing um soybean or black bean or even chickpeas or lentils for one. Red meat containing meal a week can help decrease risk of cardiovascular disease by a significant amount, and that's seen across the board, like across research. So that alone is so simple, Meg, to the point where you're probably already doing that. Like you're probably already doing something that mimics that, whether it's at lunch or it's at breakfast or whatever it is, right? Like you're probably already. Well, we do eat
2: beans on Taco Tuesday. You see what I'm saying? Already. She's already killing the bacon it. And the beef. She adds the beans yeah. to the bacon and the beef. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this brings me to my next question. Because I want to talk about keto. You know, when my husband broke hit when broke, he ruptured his Achilles, he went on the keto diet. Like he needed some way to kind of manage his weight when he was completely immobile and in a boot for like months. And he went keto and he lost a significant amount of weight. He felt really good and energized. And that was like two years ago, and he's not Fully keto. I mean, that he was like in ketosis and like doing the mouth tabs and all the crap. But he does still tend to eat keto like. And here's the thing, I question this diet because it's basically is so meat forward and fat is like endless, but the diet's not going away. So what's the research around keto? Like, what are the pros, the cons? Like, should we be doing this, not doing this? Like, can we just talk about keto?
0: Yes. Well, first, what I love about what you said, Meg, is that automatically he's already modified it to be something that's manageable for his life. Right. So like he started out, he went, he really went for it, but clearly he's enjoying something about this, which right there feels like I could even just say full stop on that. Because ultimately like my goal in working with individuals and working with groups is to help you find what really works best for you. Because what works best for you means you're sticking with it. And like he's sticking with it. So the idea that that he's still like found ways to make this kind of work for him makes it automatically great. My biggest issue, my biggest gripe with keto is the way that it's often marketed and talked about out in the world. And the downsides of being extremely strict and extremely stringent and really hardcore is that it is extremely exclusive. It is really expensive. And automatically, there's this entirely other kind of somewhat untalked about, not talked about enough component of keto, which is that... If you're limiting your carbohydrate intake to 10% or less of your total calories a day, you've got room for about one broccoli floret, like a one large broccoli floret. <laughs> so you're automatically cutting back on the world's most nutritious food sources just by nature of going to some very extreme um, style of eating, and I'm talking about the really extreme, like not necessarily, not the pat extreme. In that situation, what often happens is that in order to stay on that for a prolonged period, you need dietary supplements in order to meet those Recommended nutrient needs, and for some of those, that's a really big deal because you know you really should not be taking potassium in the form of a dietary supplement if you are otherwise healthy and are not you know currently on dialysis.
2: Exactly. Well, you can't eat a banana on keto because it's so much sugar.
0: Exactly. And just to clarify that for your listeners, who I'm sure probably already really know this probably very well, which is that like obviously fruit being another one of nature's gifts to us is like. One of the best possible things that you can eat. And all of us should be eating more fruit and more veggies in different ways and in different ways that we enjoy actually eating them. So, just the idea that a way of eating or an eating style would put a restriction on those foods in order to achieve either a weight loss goal or I've heard it talked about and misused kind of in the world of heart health and diabetes. And the truth is, there's just not any evidence to suggest a long term benefit to being on that low. Carb kind of dietary approach. The other component, of course, being that those supplements that aren't regulated by the FDA, first of all, they're not usually metabolized in the same way that nutrients from food is actually metabolized. And they also come with risks, right? Because we don't know from package to package, we don't know what's actually in those supplements. They don't have any. Regulatory reinforcement that says you must meet this standard every single time you produce this product. So, unless there's a third party seal on a dietary supplement, that's sort of like my pro tip, quick and dirty way of knowing that there's okay, at least someone else looked at this and tested it and said it was okay and safe for me to consume. But otherwise, you know, those are the complications that I think often get left out when we talk about keto. So, pro would be that if you find that a lower carb Dietary approach that is more conscious of the types of carbs that you're eating really works for you. Yay. If you are going super hardcore restriction with a specific goal in mind and thinking that your life is automatically going to change by way of practicing extreme restriction in order to get to a new particular ideal of a specific goal, then that ultimately is going to backfire and put you back on the hamster wheel of binge restrict, this cyclic pattern that often leads to these adverse health consequences and also the psychological health consequences of that, which can be really the worst, the worst of the worst.
1: It's not fun to be doing something that's completely unsustainable because it ends and then you're like, well, now what? All right. So I want to change lanes for a second because obviously it's like cold and flu season. It's like omicron season shit's weird it's bad out there are there any ways we can like eat to beat sickness obviously i'm not asking to completely stave off like you know covid but like let's just talk about immunity for a second because that's what is hot on everyone's lips so like yeah i I know for a hot second everyone was obsessed with elderberry and then honey had a moment like what food and supplements do you recommend to kind of use food as medicine
0: yeah so i i think it Is again another question of considering what it is that you're already doing that you enjoy doing and using those things as the framework upon which you can build. So like, let's say that you are already someone who always gets a sandwich for lunch. Can you add a new veggie into that sandwich every day this week? Can you add two more veggies next week? Can you change it up so you've got a soup at the beginning of that sandwich and you're having half the sandwich because now you got this hearty veggie soup? Any way that you can add in more veggies, more fruit to your day, you're already getting what we would call those like immune-supporting nutrients from the fiber that's found in veggies, fruit, whole grains, nuts, seeds, pulses i
2: didn't think about fruits and veggies like vitamin c oranges citrus yes but i didn't think about yeah. like peppers boosting my immunity right
0: right I vitamin mean, c. That's, that's what i love okay cauliflower <laughs> no but i mean but actually cauliflower has 11 c grams too. of
1: protein in a head
0: <laughs> but most veggies and fruit have have all types of those critical antioxidants and those key minerals that are really important for overall immune health and immune support. The only other thing that I would add outside of veggies, fruit, whole grains, legumes, nuts, seeds would be to consider where you can add in a little bit more seafood. That seems to be for some people like, yes, I'm here for it. For others, and I know Meg, is, she might be one of them, although I know you like some types of fish right Meg? <laughs> Only if I'm <laughs> drunk. <laughs> Coors Light, just a bunch of, it's like college again, We're drinking all the Coors Light and then it's like, I got to go get a salmon filet. Our, Hang on our one old boss
2: at, at Good Housekeeping, the joke used to be a would not eat fish, would not eat salmon. She's like, you just have to have three glasses of wine and then take a bite.
0: Oh so my God. Like, okay.
2: I tried it and I had a bite of salmon I totally I'm like, nope, forgot still hate that. it. Still hate it. You hate it. Oh, interesting. I'm
0: going to come over and make Texture you a good issues. Texture issues. Texture issues. I totally issues. get that. I totally get that. But like a nice flaky white fish, maybe even a shrimp, no, a the problem, I, I will eat a shrimp. Okay. I will right eat a there. shrimp. Already there. Vitamin D. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm not <laughs> as shitty of
2: an eater. Ladies, I'm not as shitty as an eater. I'm just compared to you guys. In real life, I'm most of my friends are like, oh, Megan's so healthy. Um, totally. But compared to these two who are plant-forward vegan. I turkey bacon sometimes. <laughs> the truth is, I really, like, I do, but I am pretty conscious.
3: <laughs> no. but I love that. I, I love, love the idea of getting your vitamins and your immunity-boosting from everything you eat and just adding one thing. I love that you said that. Just add one thing that can help you get just a little more to boost your immunity. And you were saying the fish
0: for the omegas, right? Like the fatty omegas. For the omega-3s, but more importantly than that, for the vitamin D. And that's one where I would say because vitamin D is more often prescribed, that's why I'm kind of excluding it from our previous supplement conversation. But also, there's plenty of vitamin D supplements on the market now where you can find those with that third-party verification or are really relying on that because they know the consumers are aware of that. I'm thinking of, you know, there's like a popular commercial now that I think it's nature made. The idea being that like wherever you can include these foods that are in their most, and I hate to say this because it's sometimes a little bit elusive sounding, but they're closest to nature form, right? Like what's the format that they were intended to be in? And I don't mean that in like a, you know, sit on the lotus leaf Omicron kind of way, but I really mean it in the way that's like, was this orange meant to be an orange? Yes, but it was not meant to be a mimosa necessarily, so I'd rather have (laughs) champagne for that. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? Like then then it puts the focus a little bit more on what the actual intention is anytime you're going into a meal or snack. I also don't mean that in, in a way that makes it like you have to be thinking about food all the time. It's really not the idea is to think more freely and think about other things rather than food. But the intention ultimately really helps guide where you want to go with any particular meal, snack, or just day of putting together meals and snacks, especially when it's not just for you, right? Like when you're in any type of setting, whether that's family related or office related or, you know, whatever else is going on in your day, it it helps to kind of frame how you're going to approach any given scenario. I always say like use your schedule to inform your strategy because I feel like that's ultimately where it just all starts. It's like it comes back to that calendar, that Google calendar, that Outlook invite. It's like it starts there. If you are not kind of like planning from what are you doing? Where am I going to be physically this week? What else is going on in my Life this week, right? Like then, that helps put everything else into perspective.
3: I love that. I mean, I learned that in college in my sorority with a vodka crayon. Right. the vodka cran, right? <laughs>
2: have the cranberry juice and avoid these. I'm kidding. Heidi's I'm already got it already. <laughs> And do we elderberry? Yeah or nay? Yeah.
0: Oh, well, okay. So I actually took elderberry for when I had COVID because my doctor was recommending it at the time. So obviously anytime you're getting advice from a physician for a specific period of time, a duration of time, right? Like then that's what I would certainly go with. But that was the intention behind the elderberry. You know, elderberry doesn't have any kind of magical benefits that you can't find in other berries, in other types of fruits, in other, I'm even thinking about like the orange kind of general family of fruits and veggies, like sweet potatoes, carrots, like what else would you put into that? I'd like to say peach, but no, it's really not in peaches. But like anything that you can eat in its whole food form that provides Fiber in any way, right? Like, so the skins of whatever it is, even a grape is a perfect example of things that are loaded with antioxidants. You're automatically making any meal or snack that much more nutritious because you're including those nutrients in their whole food form, which is their best researched, like their most well established form for human beings. There you go. Right there, automatically. Better choice. You're including those nutrients and you're already feeling like you are going to kick the butt of any cold or flu that should cross your path. I love it. It's like with an elbow. It's like (laughs) a... (laughs) It's like a nutrient with an elbow. I love you, Jack. Okay.
3: So speaking of something that I cannot get in food that I eat, (laughs) I recently had to have wrist surgery due to a very unfortunate event and it's a severe injury. I was very dislocated, have plates and screws, all those things. And I'm really, I truly am willing to try anything once, 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 (laughs) but I, I have been vegan for 20 years. I haven't eaten animal protein in 20 years. When I was pregnant, I was fully committed. To eating anything my body craves, that turned out to be goat and sheep's cheese in small doses. <laughs> but I never went to the animal protein. And collagen is something that my acupuncturist is like doing a real hard sell. Oh, no. um, he's he's involved in studies. Regarding tendon healing with collagen. And so I have two questions in this long winded one, which is what are your thoughts on collagen? Is it good? I mean, we've seen a lot that it's healthier for skin hair, but is it truly healthier for joints and tendons? Mm. Um, how does it work in your body? And Most important question to me. Yeah. (laughs) It's all about me. No. Is is vegan collagen – I know it's not – there's no such thing as vegan collagen. It's vegan collagen boosters. Is it an effective option?
0: Oh, that's such a good question. Okay. So twofold – one is on the general research landscape around collagen. I am hearing this getting overblown all the time, which is that like, oh yeah, there's great research on that. There's not. There's very little, very I small scale. Right, exactly. <laughs> and honestly, and all of the research says a very similar thing, which is that it's just kind of mixed results. It's like there might be a benefit, and there might be benefit for osteoarthritis, and there might be a benefit post surgery. And like, I, you know, I'm thinking back to when I worked clinically, we would often recommend adding a little bit of a collagen-based oh. protein, but also C, but also vitamin C and zinc, like when someone like was healing from a wound. And what's interesting about that is that usually we would not recommend that for longer than 14 days. So even if, so like taking that as the best example, and honestly, in that world, I'm, I'm not even going to speak to like what the, the sort of skin integrity protocol looks like today in a clinical setting, because this was a while ago. But I would say that even if we just use like the two-week kind of mark as the goal, for including more of these types of foods or dietary supplements in this case, you know, for a finite period, there's usually little downside when you have the finite period involved and when you know that the source is coming from somewhere trusted. It's when we start getting into that realm of lots of different powders, lots of different supplements. And also, I would be remiss not to say that adding like another cup of stock of like chicken broth to the soup that you're having. Easiest way to also get that kind of, I mean, in your case, this wouldn't be chicken broth, but but having that extra lentil soup, a little bit more lentils in that lentil soup into the large lentil chili that you're making on the weekend, right? Like in the ways that you're already consuming it, where can you add more protein? Because you're still going to get the same benefits, just going to take a slightly different biochemical pathway. But in your case, that's in a positive way, right? Because you don't want to be eating foods that you already feel like don't necessarily agree with your body. Like perfect example is what you said about pregnancy is feeling like you were ready to let yourself have anything. Like anything would be on the menu, but you just weren't wanting it. And that says it all right there. Because if you don't want it, no, I that's cream the boy. Eat
3: and kale juice
0: every day, every day. I
3: was like, I guess I needed iron.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say celery juice maybe. And I was like, no, come on. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. I mean, that's where the whole pulse conversation comes in for me, is that like the idea of having more chickpeas, lentils, beans, peas in different forms, in different ways. It's I know I totally get it. It sounds really sad when you say it out loud, like when you're like, really? I have to have split pea soup and that's the only way. But that's not the only way. The idea is how can you use the flowers? How can you use these bases to make new things or to make swaps for things that you already like? I just rediscovered. This snack company, Wisps. Meg, I'm sure you know know how we love those, right? So they have ones, and granted, Heidi, this is not a vegan one, but they did make them with, they're making ones that come with Beans, like roasted beans, in there now. With you guys, flavor. don't really
2: understand how much this woman loves beans.
0: I really do. Like, I just do. I just find that they're also everywhere. Like all at least I where, eat. at least where I am, I feel like at Newark Airport, it's like the secret bean capital of the United States. Like, what's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> Chickpeas are everywhere. But so the right? bottom line
2: for Heidi is skip the collagen and just eat more beans.
0: Yeah. Yes, that would ultimately be my recommendation is to skip the collagen, choose more of the plant sources of protein. And really there is no, there is, if I had to choose from just the purely nutritional standpoint, the gold standard of the bean is the soybean. I mean, and there's lots of different ways to slice that tofu, if you will. (laughs) Right. I mean, because then you can really actually add that to your already vegan broth based miso soup or you're having, let's say it's, I mean, and tofu can really take on the flavor of so many things that you can add that in to more meals. And and also it's perfect with breakfast. I mean, there's just so many ways. There's so many ways. Love it. (laughs) There's so many ways to slice a tofu. That should be the title (laughs) of the next book. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) The title of my memoir.
2: So, Jack, we're both celiac one percenters, very proud. Yeah, um, my nephew just got diagnosed. He's like 12, 13 years old. Do you think oh. that it's really like the way our food is processed in this country? I'm seeing this uptick in gluten cases. So, mm. a couple of questions. Do you blame it on the way our food is processed that there's this increase mm. in gluten allergies and gluten sensitivity? And are there any benefits of limiting or going gluten-free if you aren't actually celiac?
0: Oh, that's such a good question. Okay. So there's this thing and there's the thing about this thing, as I say it, is that this is my clinical judgment and not where the actual research comes from. But I have noticed this thing as well, particularly over the last 10 years, which is that I don't think it's an accident that people like you and me were not diagnosed until later on in life, right? Like there was, first of all, I think some of that can be attributed to the way that these more rare or things that are seen as rare conditions are treated, especially when there can be a psychological component. Like I was always an anxious kid and everyone would say to me like, oh, you're just anxious. And like, ultimately it's like we were dismissing something that was kind of important you know so like and that can have really serious effects and i'm so lucky that it didn't happen that way for me i mean but what's really interesting about gluten is that it's often found in foods that are considered to be high fodmap foods so fodmaps are fructo oligo di FODMAP, yeah, monosaccharides and polyols. They're found in lots of different types of carbohydrates. And they're, you know, going on a low FODMAP plan is – Often what's recommended, and there is an increasing body of research on this specific topic, that's what's recommended when someone has inflammatory bowel disease, so Crohn's or colitis, and now is newly, and this is where the research is really growing, newly being recommended for people with IBS. So there is something to the idea. What's interesting about FODMAPs is the reason why people call it low FODMAP is because the dose makes the poison and you're not always sure which FODMAP, like which type of short-chain carbohydrate it is that could be triggering your personal specific symptoms. So that's why when people talk about gluten, because gluten kind of is a protein that fits in the category of like where it's found is often in foods that have these short-chain carbs – It's often a trial and error process of trying to figure out like, okay, maybe I should – maybe this week I'm just going to give this a shot. Try going gluten-free. See if my symptoms resolve. I would also stress obviously that like that's best done with a practitioner, with a dietitian, or after seeing a gastroenterologist and making sure that you're ruling anything else out because – That's like the last thing you want to do is mistake something for something else when actually there could be a treatment plan that does not, that's more, that is more invasive. We wouldn't want to skip that. But the idea being that like having the option and having the awareness to say, okay, this week, so I tried for two weeks you know, cutting out all sources of lactose. And I found that all of a sudden I just, my stomach just felt like it felt like a new person's stomach, right? Like there's something really empowering about that too. So there's something to, to be said for the concept of trial and error with that. But I think a lot of it doesn't have to do with the processing so much as just the, the sheer amount of refined carbs that have come into our everyday lives in different settings. And I think that's really where I bring it back to ultimately the lifestyle component, which is that where exactly are we when we're making decisions about food? Like I think about the very classic hallmark of um, donuts in the break room, right? Like the traditional office setting of donuts in the break room. It seems like it could be a lifetime ago, maybe if ever for so many of us, but like, but if you think about that image of like the morning meeting with donuts, like that's obviously just like pure refined carb in the form of a munchkin. And, how that's evolved over time is like we see that in different settings. There's foods involved in so many things and it's involved in our everyday lives in so many different ways that just not having that consciousness can make it a little bit harder to really know what's real versus what's not when you're experiencing it, right? Because sometimes it really might just be anxiety if you're having symptoms that feel like they're just anxiety. But other times it might be (laughs) that you are actually allergic or intolerant to something that you're consuming, and then that really has to be addressed.
2: But what about when people say, like, I'm going to get healthy, I'm going to go gluten-free? I mean, that it's not like a lifestyle choice to get healthy unless you have
0: a sensitivity or an allergy, correct? Well, this is the easiest, in some ways, way to think about it, I think, which is that something that you take away from your diet is only as good as what you replace it with. Right, so like if you so gluten is in for people who can tolerate gluten beautifully, you're getting whole grains, and that's also yet another one of nature's greatest gift to the world, right? Like so, you're getting both fiber and protein from gluten containing whole grains. On the flip side, the beauty of being diagnosed with celiac is that I've discovered all these other new gluten free grains that are not actually that new, but weren't really a part of like our dietary eating patterns in the US, right? Like I think about like sorghum or buckwheat, which is shockingly gluten free considering the the word wheat. Is in buckwheat. Wow, I don't eat it. I didn't know that. Yeah, so like they're so and quinoa. Like I mean, fifteen years ago, I feel like that wasn't a part of the grocery shopping. Quinoa, you know what I mean. So as long as you're replacing whatever was removed with something that is either just as nutritious or perhaps for you that may be that much more nutritious because it's also helping you eat more nutritious things along with it then that's ultimately the most powerful position to be in, right? Because nothing that you take out is going to do it for you on its own. It's always going to be about what you're including and not what you're leaving on the floor.
1: Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. And the trial and error thing is, is actually how I became plant forward or vegan, vegan light, whatever. I tried it because of something I was doing. And for two weeks, I all of a sudden, all my bloating that had plagued me my whole life went away. And I was like, yeah. well that works. Let's keep doing that. Right. So yeah, trial right. and error, right? right? All right. We're going to get to the last question, but what we wanted to do, Jackie, was just get like your Twitter sized take on a couple of like hot diet trends that are being called out right now. Ooh. So, okay. I'm going to go with number okay. one. Bioindividuality is the new personalization. Go.
0: Yes. I love this one. Bioindividuality meaning that whatever works best for your personal lifestyle, along with your personal biochemistry. So no two people are the same. No two approaches for any people are necessarily going to look exactly the same way. So whatever works for you, your lifestyle, your needs, your preferences, what agrees with you personally, go with that. Love it.
1: Regenerative is the new sustainable.
0: Yeah. Basically, this is just what's good for you, what's good for the planet, what's good for your budget. So regenerative really refers to the idea of instead of wanting things to be the same from an agricultural standpoint, right? Like that's what you're really saying when you say things like sustainable, right? Like whoever said, I really want to sustain what I'm doing next year, right? Like instead of the new year to me, what if we were like, just want to sustain. Although that does sound pretty good, arguably, but (laughs) regenerative sounds that much better, right? It sounds like you're actually doing something for yourself that helps you personally feel good. So I love the word because I love the idea of doing whatever that is, whether it's food related, whether it's fitness related, whether it's just your psychological health related. I think anything that you can do to sort of like invest in yourself is a great framework for thinking about it. And then from the agricultural standpoint, it's all about really these more regenerative food systems like pulses, which are both beneficial for decreasing water waste, decreasing carbon gas emissions, and also are so packed with nutrients that they make it that much better for you to eat. Fascinating. Megan.
2: Okay. Inflation is the new food influencer.
0: I love this idea because let's make it a positive, right? Meg, I feel like I learned that from you. I mean, like, let's just make something positive here. I mean, it's kind of a buzzkill. We can't get our Fresca. We might not be able to get our meat from the same places. So, but instead where can we think about what is on the menu? Like what is available to us? And that's where I bring it back to the idea of what are some things, what are some household staples that you know you have on hand that you're like, all right, this is going to expire soon. How can we use this whole grain pasta to make a meal tonight? Things like that. So thinking about including more plants that can be made that much simpler by thinking about it through the lens of what do I want to use up, make sure I've just gotten rid of, but also can make more nutritious. And also I personally will be food shopping in my freezer later today. I feel like there's a lot happening in there. It's just very fresh, but also, same time. It's time, it's time for it to, it's time. It's got to go. <laughs> we
1: love this one because this is like a fascinating one for me. And we've worked with some of these brands on the show. So, the rise of better for you alcoholic and non alcoholic beverages. Yes. Yes,
0: I love this. I love this because I think there's such an untapped opportunity. I've been mulling over a little bit here, which is the idea of the ALKBEV industry kind of exploring the better for you category it means that basically we're recreating ocean spray. Like, there is no, like, wh- no one needs more juice. That's where we started this conversation, right? <laughs> like, you take the alcohol away from wine and you've got great juice. So, like, <laughs> the idea of saying that something is better for you because it doesn't have alcohol, well, there's plenty of solid solid evidence to support alcohol in moderation, like one glass of wine a day for women, two for men. We've all heard those recommendations before. But there are, on the flip side, these really great and innovative new, I shouldn't say new, they're not new at all. They're actually just different types of grapes being fermented, being processed essentially in a different way. So I use something like certain types of Vermentino or Vino Verde, which is a perfect example. Vino Verde comes from Portugal. It is a naturally lower in alcohol type of wine and therefore having that to replace, you know, the scotch in a highball glass (laughs) that you're guzzling during the holidays, right? Like that's automatically a choice that is actually better for you without adding in all these types of added sugars. My one recommendation with a lot of this stuff would be to say, just make sure you're checking the labels on any of these better for you products that are using that type of marketing because so many of the ingredients in there is going to be oftentimes different additives that you may or may not personally agree with. I'm saying that from personal experience. I remember being at the Good Housekeeping office and someone came in and I tried this wine spritzer and my mouth blew up. I had to go. <laughs> I had to leave the office. I don't know what was in it. Like I can't remember specifically what it was, but my mouth like took over Like became that big. It felt like my throat was closing a little bit. But on the other side, that's not most people. Most people, I would be more concerned with the added sugar that would come in in that form. And in beverage form, it's obviously not going to have the same satiety benefits as actually eating dessert, eating candy. I thought
2: this was interesting because it's probably the reason I never lose weight in my dry January, even though I've cut (laughs) out alcohol, is because I have these flavored juice beverages to replace the alcohol. (laughs) And if you have four juices, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, there you have it. There's only a right. piece of chocolate cake. Right? I know. Exactly. I know Not
0: it's it. such a bummer, but it frustrates me, right? Because I see that and I see all of this talk about dry January. And I'm like, really? But if you'd had that one glass of wine, you would. A good for your blood pressure, good for your cardiovascular health. You know, again, in that moderation. And of course, that's not for everyone, but then ultimately let's have a nice little flavored lime seltzer with like a fresh squeeze of lime, maybe a garnish, a clementine garnish. That's a way better choice than some of these like juice boxes marketed as no alcohol or better for you or low alcohol. All of that. Got it.
1: And the last one, Megan, I feel like this is your jam. And
2: I also feel like it reminds me of, of you and George and your show. But nostalgic 90s food and ingredients. Does this mean we're going to be eating snack well cookies again? What are What are these 90s? Oh, tell me Olestra is not coming back. <laughs> like, Lester. what is it? Remember? It was like, you
3: may poop your
0: pants. Oh, do I, I ever remember? remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I talked about this. I want to say it was two years ago. And I was like going back to like the recall, like I was in deep on the research on that. I was like, let me just get back to this. Oh, right. Anal leakage. I remember (laughs) that now. (laughs) You know, like, I was just like, oh my God, how did anyone let that go to market? (laughs) Because it was fat free. (laughs) Exactly. And fat was the devil. (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea of nostalgic 90s coming back in the form of, let's say – You know, like a lighter version of a Cosmo, a little bit less on the cranberry juice. I also like the idea of it coming back in the form of some of the flavors that we really, that I feel like really had their moment in the nineties. Cool Ranch is that nacho (laughs) Doritos? Yes, Cool Ranch is really having a moment, Meg. They really are. They're having a big moment. There's like there's Pitos is making Pitos another pulse flour based <laughs> and hippies hippies does too hippies also my forever favorite what are they called Benitos that has the mac and cheese flavored oh my gosh uh, cheese noodle things oh my god so good and i love that they are you know like bringing those reminiscent flavors while also you know, keeping some of that nostalgia, but now we've found ways to do it better rather than create chemicals that cause anal leakage to our GI tract. Nobody needs that. We've been through enough. We've had Man, a pandemic. We, been through enough do we don't anal need that. Right. <laughs> we don't need anal leakage in our lives. Well, on Not right. that note... <laughs>
3: Maybe you can give us a way to avoid that. And one of the things that we ask all of our listeners to wrap up the show is called, Megan? Carmicle! (laughs) So I forced Megan to say it because you just saw firsthand how awesome she says it. Jamie did a Um, good job, though. Like,
2: Christmas special. I was really.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to explain. Karma is the Sanskrit okay. word for action. Ooh, so we okay. don't just make Megan yell it for no reason. Although I would, would be, be okay with that too. <laughs> yeah. But so we're asking all of our amazing inspirational guests, you, what is one very small actionable item that our listeners could take for a short amount of time? Small action that might yield a large result, like, you know, drinking more water
2: <laughs> or eating more beans.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've had, it's so true. I've really hit the beans hard today. So I'm going to say something different, which is that I recently started saying and then using, like I heard it, I can't even remember where I heard it. That's not the point. The point is that reconsidering what rest means for me is a game changer. It's a game changer for me personally, because I've always felt bad about the fact that I don't sleep that well. And I've never been that great of a sleeper. And yes, in fact, that my pediatric gastroenterologist that I would like to, you know, a little bit say that was wrong. You were wrong, but I've always been anxious. And so the idea of saying to someone in the same way that's like, just lose five pounds, right? It's like, just get in a couple extra hours of sleep. Oh, really? Right, like when you say that to someone, first of all, you get a number of different reactions, right? Like you could get the reaction of, I can't do that. I have seven kids or like I take care of my parents or I take care of, you know, this Puppy family that I've adopted and I'm never going to get those seven hours of sleep, right? So, like, instead, how do we reframe this so that it is actually actionable? It's actually meaningful for us and still gives us the same types of benefits that feel like they're truly restorative to us. So instead of this concept of we've got to get more sleep, we've got to get more sleep, which arguably, absolutely, that's probably true. That's probably true for me. It's probably true for so many of us just based on statistics. But in the meantime, as an interim, where can we do more things that feel restful to us? And so considering it through the frame of restfulness and where we can get more rest, for me, That often means staying in motion. Like for me, something that's restful, that makes me feel more connected and more purposeful is getting outside and going for a walk. And so I'm thinking about where I can include more of that type of rest into my day rather than thinking, okay, one more thing I've got to add to my list it's more about the what's restful to you and then finding ways to include that in very small but meaningful ways even if it's 15 minutes outside which i'm going to do when we get off the phone
1: yeah regenerative <laughs> regenerative is the new sustainability
0: regenerative restorative i love it thank you so much girl we adore thank you. you where can people find you on the gram Oh, you can find me at Jacqueline London RD on the gram and also on my new podcast, which is called on the side with Jackie London and also on the gram at Jacqueline London RD.
3: Love it. Congrats.
1: That's amazing. Well, thank you to you and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to this show so you never miss an episode. Hey, if you liked today's show, please leave us a little review and, you know, throw us a couple stars in the old review column. It really does make a difference. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off The Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time.